Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Fantastic. Right. I want to continue the second part of the message that I shared two weeks back, and that was how do we become such kind of influencers who are kingdom builders? And uh, I shared with you six points uh, before uh, uh, they play the slides. I want you to try and refresh your memory if you can remember the six points. If you're here for the first time, chill. If you weren't there that Sunday, no chill. (laughs) Okay, so there were six points I shared with you. Would you try and remember the six points that I shared with you about how to be an influencer of such a kind that you would be a kingdom builder. Okay? Love thy neighbor. Speak to thy neighbor. Okay? Come on. Just try and remember. Even if you don't remember in the order, that's fine. If you can try and recollect. Even if you don't say it verbatim, that's fine. Just try and say something around it. Don't say something I didn't say. Say to one another. Just try and refresh each other's memory, please. Check, one, two. Some of you are going through your notes. No, 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 no. <laughs> so you should go home and read your notes. You know, come on Sunday morning, you, you should write notes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, anybody remembers the first one? Very simple. Oh, naughty kids. You all looked at the notes. <laughs> okay, so everybody has... Yeah, that's a divine imperative. That everybody has influence. And what I read was sociologists estimate that an introvert, most of you don't know what that means. An introvert in his or her lifespan would unintentionally influence about 10,000 people. Most of you are capable of doing so much more. But everybody is influenced. The second thing, let's just run through the six. Second. Submilio. Okay, let's just do it. Everybody has influence. God expects me to use the influence. Yeah, does God expect that? Okay, can you just say it a little louder? Number three. Oh, yes. My influence is not to make me look good, but it's for the benefit of of others. That's a kingdom heart. That's a kingdom mindset. Number four. That's powerful. And, And most people don't understand that. They think you can live in some kind of a vacuum or a passive zone. That's not true. If you're not intentionally influencing people, hey, they are influencing you. That's precisely why you would be in the back foot. Come on. Number five. The purpose of influence is to speak up for those 
who have no influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more God will empower you with either affluence or influence or both, it is so that you can become a voice for those who have no voice. Number six. Could you say that loud, please? Yes, absolutely. I will answer to God of how I used my influence. Yes, one day, you and I will meet our Father, who is also our Master, who is the giver of all good things, and He will ask me and ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus, and what did you do with everything that you received through Him? What did you do with it? And I hope that we will be able to put before him in worship all the things that we were able to do by the power of his spirit that's of eternal value. Amen. I, I want to share a few thoughts before I go. Uh, so I, I'm actually going to bring before you four more points about how we can use the influence. But before I do that, I just want to sort of give you a transitionary introduction between last week and this week. Is that okay? Fantastic. I would want you to pay attention because I want to put forth some, some specific thoughts that would not be on a slide. So just pay attention. You see, people are now calling the, the age that we live in as a post-truth age. Have you heard that or read that somewhere in the papers? Post-truth. Can you imagine there's something called as post-truth? I thought truth was eternal. But they're living in a time that people are saying, sociologists are saying, anthropologists are saying, writers are saying, that we're living in a post-truth age. And interestingly, people are saying this is a post-Christian age. Did you understand that? So there was a time they believed that Christianity was the overwhelming influence globally. But they say that that influence is no longer as it used to be. And we're living in a time where it's post-Christian. That means Christianity is looked at at many parts of the Western world as something of the... Yeah. Could you say that loud? Something of the past. Now, I like what one writer that I was reading said this. He said, for us, that should not be an issue. Because we should look at it as a pre-Christian age. So this age provides us with fresh opportunities of how we can present and express our fidelity to Jesus in innovative and creative ways. How will you and me express our faith? How will you and me show this post-Christian age that Jesus is really real? So we've got to think about ways as we look at the world around us, as we look at people around us, look at the society that you and me are living in, how can we bring about innovative, creative ways without compromising our values, our beliefs? How can they see Jesus? Does that make sense? But here's the thing. You see, one of the things that we learn in missions is something called as incarnational cross-cultural missions. Don't get freaked out by what I just said. I'm going to give you a moment to repeat that after me. Incarnational Cross-cultural missions. Could you try and say it? Could you say that to your neighbor? Okay, don't get scared by that. Okay? Could you try and say that louder together? Here we go. 
Okay, you're almost getting there. So here's the first part, incarnation. What is incarnation? Does anybody heard that word before? What does it speak of? God became man. Fantastic. God became man. That means God came into our neighborhood. God became flesh. God became somebody we could see, touch, hear, experience, hug. You, you're understanding? Jesus didn't remain in his divinity. He came down as man. Fantastic, yes. And so we need to understand that when we reach out to people, we should not come across as something weird. They should be able to relate to you and to me. Now, even as they relate to you and me, and we look at something like Mumbai, where there are so people from so many different cultures, people in our nation, so many different, they, they estimate that there are over 2,000 kind of people groups, cultural groups, language groups in our nation. And how can we relate to them, especially when we live in a city like Mumbai, where all these people are coming from different cultural backgrounds. We even have people coming from different parts of the world. How will you and me present Jesus to them? Now that's what you call as cross-cultural. So that, that they will be able, you, will, you and I, you know, we used to growing up in a particular culture. And how many of you agree that you would like to remain in your culture? Sorry. How many of you would like to remain in your culture? Frankly. You know, so when parents tell me, uh, look for somebody for our son and daughter. And you know what they add to it slowly. It's in a lower volume, of course. We prefer if they are from the same background. So what they're basically saying, and I understand where it's coming from, from the heart of a parent, that we would prefer it to be from within our same, yes, culture. But God's calling us to cross cultures. Because there are things in your culture that may block the gospel. That may block people from seeing Jesus. And they're not seeing you and me. They're seeing our culture. And so we should be able to identify things that can block people from seeing Jesus. And we've got to move into their cultures and be relevant to them. Is this making sense? Yes? If you're making sense, just nod your head. Yeah, I'm kind of getting it. I know what it looks like, but I'm, I kind of agree with that. Make sense? Yes? Fantastic. So we're talking about incarnational cross-cultural. So we're basically saying in simple words, go where the people are, go to the people how they can see you, how they can relate to you in a way that they can see Jesus. Alright? Now when we do something like that, there's always going to be a clash of two things. And I'm saying this because we're talking about being influencers. There's going to be a clash of two things. Number one, there's going to be a clash of beliefs. And number two, there's going to be a clash of values. There's going to be a clash of beliefs and there's going to be a clash of values. So there would be cultures today that absolutely have no regard for truth or who think that truth is relative or what, whatever it may be. There are different kinds of things where you would feel an opposition to beliefs and values. And here's what I want to say. Here's the challenge, beloved. That God is calling us to relate to people into their cultures. But if you and I, if you and I absorb their values, 
then you and I cannot change those people and their cultures. You and I cannot change if we partake of what they believe, of what they value. So you and I have to ask God for wisdom and for strength so that you and I can go into their cultures, go into their situations, and we can present Jesus to them the way we live our lives. You can be cool, you can be trendy, you can be relevant, you can be contemporary, and you can be a hot-hearted Christian, passionate for God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You can be wise, you can be, you can be people that, that God can move through you so powerfully, and people will find you relevant. They will not look at you as some weirdo who's come from a mountaintop that they can't relate to you. They'll be able to relate to you, they'll be amazed at it, but there will be times when values will clash. And when that happens, I want to encourage you, lovingly take a stand. And God will endorse you. Now, I want to bring a verse before you that kind of sums up what I'm trying to say in a DNA. Matthew 13, 33. Matthew 1, 3, 33. Matthew 13, 33. When we talk of being an influencer, how did Jesus put it in words? What is the metaphor? What is the example that Jesus gave? And this is beautiful in Matthew 13, 33. And sometimes, many times we forget this, that this is the example that Jesus used. Here we go. Can we read it together, please? Would you join me? All right, here we go. Let's lift your voices, please. Here we go. One, two, three. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Fantastic. What is another word for leaven? Yeast. How many, how many women over here have ever used yeast? Seriously. Have you ever used yeast? What do you say in Hindi? Kamir. How many of you ever used Kamir? Not Samir, Kamir. Yeast. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Idli. Cake. What else? Bread. Right? All right. How much do you put? Very little. Right? And you normally put it in the night? Yes? So that you wake up in the morning. And, and when you put it in the night, do explosions happen all night? <laughs> what happens? It's just very quiet. Nobody knows. Can you believe that transformation can be absolutely quiet but absolutely brilliant? That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be noisy. It doesn't even have to be popular. But it can be genuine, authentic, and powerful. And God's calling us, you and me, my friend, He's calling you and me to be that yeast. Where you're working, you are that yeast. Where you live, you are that yeast. Where you are staying, your, your, your family, your relatives, 
You are that yeast. You know, when I came to the Lord a couple of decades back, I did some really bad things to my relatives. Like, I thought I was John the Baptist reincarnated. You know, minus the camel and the locust and the wild honey. But I was like, if thou shalt not turn, then thou shalt burn. (laughs) I was just went after them and they got frightened of me. They thought, what's happened to this little sweet Shannon, 15-year-old of us? What happened to you? I'm like, no, you have to repent or you're going to go to hell. But if, if I didn't say it literally that, but that's what I was coming across as. And I was aggressive. Now, hear me. I was passionate. I was genuine. I was sincere. But I was insensitive. And I didn't mature to understand that this is how the kingdom of heaven works. We need to understand how the kingdom works. The kingdom has its own values. The kingdom has its own principles. The kingdom of God has its own economy. And it doesn't look like anything like what is in the world. In the world, if you want to bring about change, you demonstrate. You, you, you make noise. You break things. You know how we are good as Indians in doing that, right? So, so when there's a bond, everybody's freaking out because they're going to do senseless damage to property and even probably to the lives of people. They want to make it loud. They say, if you don't make it loud, then no one's going to hear you. Hey, that's not how the kingdom of heaven works. In the kingdom of heaven, you can be a silent, but a powerful transformation, a catalyst for the kingdom of God. How many of you believe that God can do that through you? Just your presence in your workplace, just the way you conduct yourself, just the way. And I'm, I'm going to share with you one message in, in, in just weeks to come. Who are the most powerful influences in the kingdom of God? Who are the most powerful? If you would grade them, who are the people who carry the highest or the largest amount of influence? So that's a secret <laughs> till I preach to you. But let me say this to you, that God wants to work through your life like this. He will take you and he will put you in places that need leaving, that need transformation. And maybe there are times you've asked in your life, Lord, why am I here? This is so uncomfortable. Why am I here? You, okay, worse still, you probably ask yourself, Lord, why am I in this family? Or why, am I, why do I have such kind of relatives? Or why do I have such kind of workplace? My dear brother and sister, that's God's purpose for your life. Don't reject it. Don't speak negative about it. God has a purpose through you. The whole lump will leaven up. God will bring transformation. Give it, give it time. So turn to somebody next to you and say, it happens quietly but surely. Yes, absolutely. Would you just turn around, give a high five to somebody and say, it happens quietly but it will happen surely. Great. Yes, and I, I understand it won't come easy at times. It won't come easy at times, but God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen? At times you will have to say, you know, pe- pe- people saying you may, you may have to lie or cheat in your workplace. You may have to fudge numbers. And you say, no, Lord, I can't do this. Give me grace. Give me wisdom and give me grace how to do it. But I want to take a stand. I don't want to compromise. Uh, 
and, and it, God will begin to move through your life. Amen? Wonderful. Fantastic. Okay. I want to make a statement before I actually start the seventh point. And I, and I, I, I pray this over my life, over my family, and I pray this over your life right now. Amen? May your influence be so strong that even after you die, it will never die with you. May your influence, the kingdom influence, God's influence through you, be so strong that in fact after you die, it would only grow. That people will look at your life, will study your life, and they will say, we want to follow in his and her footsteps. Here is a hero of faith. Here is a hero of faith. Would you say an amen to that for yourself and over your family? Amen. I want to be like that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let me go to the seventh point today. We're moving ahead. Are you excited? All right, great. I'll just sip some water. Great. So you saw the point. Could you say it with me? Here we go. One, two, three. If I use my... Okay, could you up your volume a little bit? Just get it out of your mouth a little bit more. Just up your breath. Here we go. One, two, three. Could you take a deep breath? Let's do some breathing exercise. Here we go. One, two, three. Breathe in. One, two, three. Breathe out. Some of you are not doing it. You're just like getting entertained by what I'm doing. Okay. Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> now say it loud and clear. If I use my influence well, more. You're never going to get more from God if you don't use well what you already have. Simple. Simple. And I want to request some of us, stop daydreaming. Because we daydream our way into vanity. We build these castles in the air. I'll do this. I'll do that. <laughs> do that. In, in reality, we do nothing. Put plans into action. The vision, if it's of God, is impossible. God will give you wisdom to break that vision into achievable goals. And when you achieve goal after goal, however small it may be, but it's significant as you achieve one goal after the other, you're moving towards making that impossible vision possible. And so if you begin to use the influence, the gifts, the anointing, the wisdom, the connections that God has already given you, use what you already have, then God will begin to add to what you have. In Matthew 25, Jesus spoke about giving talents. It actually speaks not of gifting, but of money. To three different servants. To the first he gave five, to the second he gave two, and to the third he gave one. And the scripture adds on to say he gave them according to their ability. Always remember this, you all have an influence, but it's not equal. You all have an ability, but it's not equal. Embrace the reality. 
But here's the amazing thing. You can make the one ten. You can grow your ability. You can make your five ten. You can make your two eight. You can make your two two hundred. No one can stop you. If you begin to use, if you begin to sharpen your gifting and add skill to it, then you can get really good at what you do. And God will begin to add to what you really have. So if you want more, you say, God, I want to, you, I want to, I want to have more, Lord. I want to be an influencer. I want to have more finances. I want to have more networks. I want to have more of a, a, a ability to transform a work its way into the marketplace or into the government. Here's what I want to say, my dear brothers and sisters. I want to have more in the ministry. Yes, use what you have. If you get an opportunity that may not look perfectly like what you expected, but it is still an opportunity, use it. Because one thing leads to another. Joseph never dreamed that the keys to the palace would be found in the prison. God works in unexpected places in unexpected ways. Be an kingdom opportunist. Use what you have. I get concerned for people who do not use what they have. It is so tragic. I remember years ago, I would hear a pastor say this. He says, every time that I go into a graveyard, he says, as much as I feel sad for the loss of the person whose funeral we are, we are, we are, we are undertaking, he says, I look at the vast uh, crowd of people buried in those graveyards. It's all potential buried. And we don't know how many of them ever used what they had. And I want to encourage you to use your influence. I want to add one more thing to it. And and, and the reason I'm doing this is to kind of filter, is to kind of sift and bring clarity. Because I want to say this, if you remember what I said in point number two, that one can have have a, a position and yet not be influential. Do you remember I said that? One can have possessions and still not be influential. One can have authority delegated to them, and they're still not influential. In fact, you can have somebody who has neither, none of that and still be influential. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 15. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus said this. You can pull up the verse. I'll read it for you till it comes up. He said, and he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Years ago, I read that in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, life does not consist of all these things. So I asked the Lord, what does life consist of? Jesus is again reminding in Luke 12, 15, take care and be on your guard. Be on your guard. Can everybody shout that? Be on your guard. Against all covetousness, coveting against greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What is it consistent in how many lives you impacted? In how many lives you blessed? In how many lives you were an encouraging? That is what life consists in. In the kingdom of God, my brothers and sisters. I want to ask you, in the last three months, whose feet did you wash? To whom did you go and pray? To whom did you give an affirming word? To whom did you go and share the love of God in word and in deed? 
To whom did you go, my dear brothers and sisters, in the last week? Was there anybody that you were able to go up and give them a lift up in the things that God has planned for them or in the situation that they were? I want to ask you, my brother and sister, did you go and serve somebody? Did you go and refresh somebody's heart? Were you a blessing to somebody, my brother and sister? If not, now's the time. Wake up. Use what God has given you. Be a blessing to somebody. If you're down, go cheer somebody who's down. You'll get cheered up yourself. Be a blessing. Use what God has given you. Use what God has given you. Use what God has given you. You have that cup of little cool water that can go and refresh somebody's thirst physically or spiritually or in their emotions. Be a blessing to somebody. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, let us be a blessing to somebody. So if I use my influence well, God will give me more. If I use my influence, God will give me more. So here's what I'm saying. If you're getting frustrated, why, why are more things not happening to your life? Don't ask people. It's the wrong thing to do. Ask yourself, what are you doing with what God has given you? Have you gone and visited people? Have you gone and served other people? Do you step out of your house even once a week to say, hey, I want to go and just be a blessing to somebody. I just want to serve somebody. And do that, my brothers and sisters. You know, kind of, when we sing the second song today, I kind of felt a, a discomfort. And I, and I felt the discomfort, not for me alone, or, or for somebody here alone, but I felt that as a congregation, we are going to ask, because I want to be a history maker. I was re- Did you read the lyrics, what you were singing? I mean, I, I, I want to be a history maker. I want to speak a truth. I want to be a blessing. I want to be the, we need to wake up. We need to live what we sing. Many of the words we sing, many of the songs we sing, Now to Live the Life. Matt Redmond wrote this song about 20 years ago. Many other offerings, many of the songs we sing, many of the words we speak, Now to Live the Life. Now to live what we sing. Now to live out our claims, church. Because the world cannot get fooled. They know what's authentic. They know what's authentic. And nobody's asking us to, to do some gigantic things. If we do simple acts of love and serving and generosity. God will use that. That five loaves and two fishes that come out of your life can bless the multitude. If you just take one step or two steps in the right direction, use the influence that God has given you and God will give you more. Number eight. Ah, this is tough. You only influence people who trust you. This is a hard one for a pastor. And this is a hard one for any leader. And this is a hard one for every person who calls himself and herself a disciple of Jesus. A follower of Jesus. You can only influence people who trust you. <laughs> so let's break this down and make it easy for us. Okay? Don't be sad. The fastest way to influence people is by being trustworthy and likable. I added the word likable. The only way To help people, to help people 
to trust you is to be trustworthy and to be likable. Now, let me touch the likable first. You understand what it means to be likable? It means that you and I are not irritating. Not dislikable. Now, I'm not trying to put being likable more important than other values. But we become likable when we show genuine interest in others. People like that. When we show genuine interest in others. When you show genuine interest in others, people will begin to like you. Is that too hard? When we show interest in people, when we express that, it's most often the gateway to influence them. I'm not talking about manipulating people. I'm not talking about just being nice. We can be nice to people and yet not show genuine interest in them. I'm not talking about flattery. <clears throat> can I ask you a question? Do you know it when people flatter you? How many of you identify with that statement? Yeah. Great. Okay, great. Okay, great. So people in this room don't. Uh, would you believe if I say people in the world know it when you flatter them? Yes. Great. Fantastic. You're all smart people here. Uh, do you know the difference between being nice, somebody being nice to you, and somebody really being genuinely interested in you? How many of you are ready? Just... Sorry, if you just put your hand up. Yeah, you do? Cool. Okay, great. Uh, do you believe if I say that people in the world know the difference if you're just being nice to them and if you're being genuinely interested in them? Cool. Wow. Good. Fantastic. Uh, great. Uh, what do you learn from this? Don't be flattery and don't be nice. Be likable. Show genuine interest in people. Now, rather than trying to be a man pleaser. Ask the Lord and maybe make a list. Who are the people that God has brought into your life? Who are the people that God wants you to be responsible for and show genuine interest in them? How? I will try and break that down in just a few moments. <clears throat> are you ready? Maybe you can just scribble this if you're writing. By praying for and with people. By praying for and praying with people. That's one of the biggest gifts you can give anybody. That's the biggest gift that you could give me. That you can give one another. That you could give your family or your friends or your colleagues. If you tell somebody and you're doing it, okay, I'm praying for you. That's a powerful thing. Because God, our God, works when we pray. So, Praying for people is showing interest in them. Then, you being an example to them. I know that's hard, but really, frankly, for many people, you and I are the only Bible that they will ever see or read. Right? 
So we be an example. And if you're surrounded by hostile people, people who are hostile to your faith, God, God save you. And God protect you. But you know what? Your light will shine in the darkness. Right? Okay. Here's another one. Speak the truth continually. No matter how difficult it may be, speak the truth continually. <clears throat> Could we just pull the curtain, just the glare? Thank you so much. Thank you. Then, wow. Encourage and celebrate unity. <clears throat> Encourage and celebrate unity. Now, you may say, why did I bring this? Trust me, if you slander about, to people about others, if you are a gossiper, if you talk about others to others, let me tell you something. The people you're talking to already making conclusions about you that you will do the same to them when the seasons change. So be smart and don't talk about people. But rather, facilitate unity. Be somebody who speaks good about people. Be somebody who will encourage people. Get people together. Get people together. Be a reconciler. Be a peacemaker. Because that's what God's called us to be. Right? And when we do that, we're showing people, hey, we're genuinely interested in you. And also, show courage when you lead. Show courage when you lead. Did you get a few? Praying for people and with people, setting an example to them, speaking the truth, encourage and celebrate unity and being courageous. You only influence people who trust you. Right? So make yourself likable and show genuine interest in people. Number nine. What's the first two we saw this morning? Number seven. If I, if I use my influence, God will give me more. And the eighth, you only influence people who trust you. Number nine. Criticism is the inevitable prize of influence. Criticism isn't fun. Life gets hard when you become a target. Anybody been there? Don't give me that martyr look. <laughs> like John Rambo. How many of you have ever been criticized? Right. Rest of you not been criticized? Uh, you better put your hands up because I've, I've written a statement that I've written in innocence. So if you've ever been criticized, just put your hand up quickly because I, I don't want the statement to hit you hard. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, you've ever been criticized. Okay. Now, many a time, and I'm saying this many a time and not every time, there's a reason for that, but many a time, it's the inevitable result of an expanding influence. When you get influential, you become notorious. And you appear as a threat to others. Even if you don't mean to. Now, I w I, how, many of you, how many of you would like that criticism to end? Come on. Wonderful. Just come on, put your hands up. Fantastic. I'm so blessed by that. Okay, here's, my, here's the advice. Don't do anything good in life. Do nothing. Say nothing. Be nothing. And you will never be criticized. Come on, who's up for this? 
Do nothing in life. Say nothing. Be nothing. And you will be blessed with no criticism. I didn't trick you. I asked you a question. You put your hands up. <laughs> All right. You understood what I mean. The more visible you are, the more of a target you will be. Now, I want to add this here. I know this, I should just add it here or a few lines later. But let me just add it here. Some of us get criticized rightfully when we do something wrong. Okay? I, I know that many times... You would like people to only applaud for you when you do something great. Yay, wow, you did well. That's going to come. That's the blessing of a community. People are going to applaud you. But hey, if you do something genuinely wrong, you've got to be prepared to hear something that you don't like to hear. Take it in your stride. Take it in your stride. Okay. I want to give you a perspective that will help you in receiving that criticism. Now, further. Now, this was true for people, men and women of God in the Bible. Even our Lord was criticized. What is it, wasn't he? So he would sit with... How many of you know Jesus liked food? I didn't say anything unscriptural. It's in the Bible. How many times he used food as an example to the kingdom of God? It's not right. I'm not exaggerating. How many of you know that he used food many times? Seed, bread, phylos, two fish... He told Peter, I'll make you fisher of, fisher of men. So Jesus used to go and he used to be in people's houses, especially those who were uh, not accepted by society. And what would he do with them? He would eat and he would chill out with them and spend time with them. And what were the religious people saying? You're a, you're a friend of sinners. You're a glutton. And... You're a wine bibber. I mean, they were, they were really upset with him. People criticized Jesus. But did Jesus stop doing what he, what he was doing? No. He continued to do what he was doing. And I want to encourage you to do that, my brothers and sisters. If you're doing what is right, God is with you, and he will give you godly friends who will encourage you. Now, here's, a, here's something that will help you. Not to... This criticism won't stop, but it will help you receive criticism and handle it better. Embrace criticism as the blessed side effect of influence. Embrace criticism. If you have been doing what is right and pleasing in God's sight, and if you're being criticized, hey, heaven is giving you a thumbs up. Okay? Now, people don't People are not bad always. I mean, sometimes they are. But it could be that they generally don't understand what you're doing and why they're doing. Or probably they're struggling with your own things. But if you're doing what is right in God's eyes, take it as a blessed side effect of being a godly influence. Now, you will never be honored without receiving criticism. You will never receive honor without receiving criticism and that's good for your soul that's good for us and this is what i learned from pastor rick warren 
And he said this, Our critics can do us great service. Listen carefully. Our critics can do us great service by highlighting the issues and the weaknesses in our life that require us to give attention to. Because here's the fact, beloved. Most of our loved ones would always want to see the good things about us. I want to say this to parents. If people criticize your children, don't pounce on those people. But rather look at what people are saying and say, hey, is this something that is of value that they are saying about my son and my daughter that I need to give prayerful attention to? If there are people who are criticizing you, all of it may not be wrong. Is it possible that there's something that's of value in it? Now, they may not be saying it in the right way. That's fine. It doesn't matter. That's between them and God. But if they are saying something that's of value, be wise, take it. And ask God to give you the grace to work on it. Because your critics can do you service that your loved ones may not do ever. Did you understand what I'm saying? So if somebody said something about you, don't get offended. How can you say that about me? No, just let it be. Just think, God, is there something in this that I can receive that's of value? Now, if you know after praying that there are things that are not of value, ask God to give you the grace to throw it away and keep moving ahead in God. Amen? Amen. Now, here's what Zig Ziglar said, and I put this as a humor over here. Allow people to take a bite of you because that is the only taste of success they would ever get. I want to say that again. Allow people to take a little bite of you because that is the only taste of success that they would ever get. So turn to somebody next to you, smile at them, say, when you get influential, you get tasty. <laughs> say it nicely. Okay, brother, brother, sister, sister. I'm sorry. I should have said disclaimer. Brother to brother, sister to sister. When you get godly influential, you get, yeah, you get attractive. Take it. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So if you have the right attitude to forgive and learn even from your critics, you will see that in the wisdom of God, they do you great service. How many of us can shout an amen to that? Amen. Be open to criticism, my brothers and sisters. Don't be defensive. Don't let the defenses go up. Just listen to people. When you are being criticized, God still loves you. Would you say an amen? When you're being criticized, is God's anointing still on you? Would you say an amen? When you're being criticized, do the people who love you still love you? Yes or no? Yes. Is God's call still over your life? Take the criticism, learn from it, and move ahead in life. All right? Okay, great. Fantastic. Now, last. Kingdom builders help Others use their influence wisely. Kingdom leaders sharpen other leaders. Mrs. Shannon, why are you saying leaders? Leaders. This is not a leaders meeting. Of course, this is a leaders meeting. You're all leaders. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become a leader in this generation. You're automatically 
going to be looked up as an example. You are a leader. Don't run away from it. You know what happened to Jonah, right? Don't run. I was showing Anaya the other day. She saw the picture in the, in the Bible. And she said, Dada, what is happening to this man in the fish? I wanted to tell her that will happen to you if you run away from God. Don't run away from the place that God has called you. You don't know which fish is going to swallow you till you come to your senses. Don't run away from the call of God. You are a leader. You are that yeast. You are the salt and you are the light. And when I'm saying you, I'm including myself. We are the salt. We are the light. Amen? And you're one of the, one of the attitudes that we must have is to help others use their influence. So I find great joy and privilege when people come to me and say, Shannon, we have this. What do we do with this? What are your thoughts? What does your experience tell you? Could you give us some kind of an idea of what you would do if you're in this situation? It's such joy for me to sit in a room where no one is watching except God, God being in the room, and we're drawing strategic plans. We're discussing things that are of such immense value and had such ramifications for the kingdom of God. And may God bring every one of you in that place of influence where you are now influencing influencers. Great leaders, kingdom builders, help others use their influence wisely. Pull people up because success in the kingdom of God is helping others become successful in God. My dear brothers and sisters, more than ever before, there is a need for godly leadership. More than ever before, in the church, in this city, in this nation, I want to ask you, would you be that person that God can depend on? Would you be that person through whom God can work in this city, in this nation? I want to ask you, would you be willing to speak the truth in your workplace? Would you be willing to work righteously? Would you be willing to be that yeast in your family, among your relatives? Would you be willing to be that influencer among your friends, among your colleagues? If you say yes to God, the consequences of that are going to be immense, my brothers and sisters, in this generation and the generations to come. I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, say yes to God. If you say yes to God and say, Lord, I want to serve you, I want to be an influencer, God can do powerful things in your life and through my life. You know, just about a week, couple of weeks back, I was... Uh, 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 I received a text message from a brother uh, <clears throat> who's now in another part of our country. About 17 years ago, uh, I was sort of his, I was, I was his elder brother and sort of his leader, you know, nothing positional. And uh, in those days, I was, I, was a, I was a little more aggressive and, you know, the pastoral side was still developing. And I was, oh, you know, so... This boy would be so often in the receiving end. If you know what the receiving end is, you know. So I would, young boy, you know, spike hair, and you, you just walk, and you, hey, Shannon, how are you? It would do, just young boy, just loves God, but, you know, kind of gets himself into trouble. So I would so many times sit him down and, you know, 
And he would be like, yeah, yeah, like, yo. And he sends me this, and now he sends me this text. He's a pastor today. He's a pastor. He's married. He's uh, three wonderful kids. And he says, Shannon, I owe you a debt. I'm so grateful to God that you fired me. And he says, I was talking to a bunch of young people. And I was telling them about the word, your influence on my life. I never knew that when I was sitting with this young boy, that one day he would be a church planter. I never thought. Your influence will go beyond your life and beyond your grave. If you choose to walk with God. I want to close by giving you a passage of scripture. And this scripture will, will kind of sum up everything that I've been wanting to say in these two messages. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Stop. Just look at that. Now, ask yourself, are you ready for this? Don't put your hands up. Are you ready for this? Don't put your hand up. We like the first part. You want to follow Jesus? Yeah. Yes. But are you ready for the first qualification? Let him deny himself. Number two. And take up his cross. What does it mean, take up his cross? That means you and I should die daily. Then, follow me. There is no other way. There's no other way. And I want to ask you, my brothers and sisters, are you willing, am I willing for this? Deny yourself. What does it mean to deny myself? Denies that if there is a choice, if this is what Jesus would do and Jesus would want of you and this is what I would want, you would immediately say no to yourself and do what Jesus would want you to do. Simple, that's what it means. And Jesus kind of made it more clear when he said that you've got to take up your cross, your cross, take up his cross. It's, have you noticed there's not capital H? He's not asking you to take his cross. You'll never be able to take his cross. You see, the cross of Jesus gave us salvation, but our cross gives us sanctification. And in that sanctification, he carries the heavier part, the impossible part. Because he said, take my yoke upon yourself because my yoke is easy and my burden is, but it's still a yoke. <laughs> It is easy and it's light, but it's not breakable. 
So how many of you would be willing to, don't put your hand up, how many of you would be willing to deny yourself? And to take up the cross and follow Jesus to be an influencer. Because here's what I want to say in conclusion. It is impossible to be a kingdom influencer if we don't ask the Lord to help us do this. If this doesn't happen, it's impossible to be a kingdom influencer. Not possible. But the moment you say, Lord, help me, I want to, I decide, I'm going to deny myself, and I'm going to take up my cross, you will see such grace released upon your life that you will experience that his yoke is easy, and his burden is light, and his power will flow through you. We want to see resurrection power flowing through our lives, but it goes through the cross, and it goes through the grave. And we will see the power of God flowing through our lives. So we sang, is it true today that dead men will rise? Dead men don't rise by your power and my power. They will rise through the power of Jesus, right? But Jesus gives his power only to dead people. We want to see angels sing with us. We want to see God moving in, 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 in our city. But how? So Jesus says, if you want to do your own thing, it won't happen. If I want to do my own thing, it won't happen. But if I make a choice, Lord, I want to deny myself. I'm willing to deny myself. Deny myself. Deny myself and follow you. I'm willing to take up the cross. And die daily. And I think we go through things in life that periodically are like a check on us. Is the old Shannon alive? Or is the new Shannon alive in Jesus? Periodically we go through a check. And I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that there is no other way. One of the things that I... I want to share in the, in, the, in the days to come. Because of the impact that's having on people and because of the way it's changing the mindset of people is the, is the biblical view of social media. Because people are obsessed. And I, I will say this humbly, and maybe some of you in this room need to really ask yourself, have you become obsessed with the fact that people should see what you do and see everything about you, know everything about you, and, and you get affected by the number of likes you get on your Facebook or whatever. And I want to say this to you, my dear beloved. I want to humbly present the thought to you that I don't think it goes in line with the whole deny yourself. If you're using social media, you need to ask yourself, why am I using social media? There's nothing evil about social media. But you and I need to ask ourselves this evening, why do I use anything that is in and around my life? How would a follower of Jesus use that? Because it's changing the mindset of people and it's even affecting people who want to follow Jesus. Because it's all about me. It's all about me. I want to look good. I want to be likable, not in a kingdom sense. And I want to humbly present this thing to you, beloved. 
Let's deny ourselves. I'm not saying get off Facebook. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't say that. But disciples and followers of Jesus ask different kind of questions. As we come to the table in just a few moments, I want you to ask the Lord for grace. Are you ready to do this? And if you're struggling in your heart, I want you to ask the Lord for grace. Lord, help me to deny myself and to take up my cross. And follow you. Would you take a few moments to be alone with the Lord right now? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord. For you're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I live. And I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. And every hour, every moment, Lord, I want to be your servant. And I desire to be a blessing. In your eyes, in your eyes. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord. You're my rock, you're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I sing and I desire to be a blessing. In your eyes, every hour and every hour, every moment, and Lord, I want to be your servant, and I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. In your eyes, you know, I, I want to share. Um, this thing. You know, the last week has been, you know, this is what I sensed, okay? So I submit it to you. Uh, I'm not saying this, this does say it's the Lord. We don't do that in church. And uh, with Jacob John coming last week, I believe his coming and his sharing and his time with us was significant. 
those of us who were there on last Saturday, uh, I want to request you to prayerfully go through the notes. In fact, I know that he was fast. I, I tried telling him to go slow, but he was excited. With the translation, it was, I think he was feeling pressure. It was almost like drinking water from a fire hydrant. But I want to request you. If you've missed, ask for the notes. Go through it prayerfully. We're doing it, in fact, in all the English house churches. Doing a recap, just going through it. And as we're going through it, I believe God is speaking to us. About purity and about holiness. Because God cannot work through our lives move through our lives if we are harboring covering up sin I want to request you my brothers and sisters then last Sunday morning you remember what he shared on now I, I thought it's going to be a typical message on discipleship come follow me give up everything whatever follow but this is what I sensed there's a yoke that's been offered to this church. A yoke from the Lord. It's what I sense. I'm telling you. Presenting it. A yoke has been offered from the Lord to be a disciple of Jesus. So I want to request you to go through those notes. And then to respond to the Lord individually and personally. And I believe that those of you would, who would respond and would hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to the church and to you. There's going to be tremendous areas of breakthroughs. Having said this, not that you don't know. Just a little softer bubble. Just a little. Thank you. Thank you, Gaston. Not that you don't know, but... There are some of you who have been struggling with, with blocks in your areas, in your life. And not that you don't know what I'm going to tell you right now. But you know those blocks are preventing the blessings of God from articulating. Not that God desires to punish you and no, no. I'm saying that in the mystery of how things work in the spiritual realm. If you choose to harbor a block whatever it could be it could be bitterness it could be an area of sin it could be whatever I want to encourage you to repent before God ask God to pour out his mercy and grace on you and forsake sin and forsake the things that are not of God in your life don't just say I want to be right with God we want to go beyond that we want to be well pleasing to him because we love him. This is not about being legally right. This is about loving the father who has loved us so much. And so I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters. This year will be of tremendous significance in your life. Immense blessing. If you forsake sin and embrace the Lord with all your heart. And you didn't need to hear what I said because you already know in your heart 
what are the things that you need to put out of your life and you also know that those things are the things that have been blocking but why did i still say it because this is a loving reminder from your brother here take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light learn of me for i am lowly and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls don't fight with god walk with god let's pray as we hold the emblems in our hands can we stand please lord we come to you as we hold these emblems we remember jesus how you so lovingly passionately with an undivided heart and focus walk with the father and obey the father you were well pleasing to the father in everything every moment jesus we want to follow your footsteps we want to be well pleasing to the father in you in everything and we know that when we follow you we will be an influencer we will be that salt and light in this time in this generation but lord you said that we cannot follow you if we don't choose to deny ourselves and take up your cross the cross our cross and follow you so as we hold these emblems we make the choice we choose lord and i want you to say this personally my brother and sister if for yourself i want you to say this to the lord maybe as a whisper but if you are made up your mind if you've decided then say the lord i choose lord we choose i choose lord for myself that i will deny myself and i will take up my cross and follow you jesus you're my rock and my redeemer so father thank you for your great love thank you jesus our savior our lord our everything thank you for your blood that was shed the body that was broken you've brought us into your covenant and now no one can take us away from you thank you holy spirit that your presence has sealed us forever we belong to the father now and always we follow you lord wholeheartedly joyfully excited lord for what you're going to do in and through our lives for we believe in you even after we leave this earth the legacy and the influence through our lives will outgrow us so we thank you in Jesus matchless name and all the people say may partake of the emblems
Amen. I want to give time for the Holy Spirit to just work right now in our hearts. Would you lift your hands to Him? Close your eyes. Just be in His presence right now. Just draw near to Him. Respond to what you've heard. If Gaston just ministers to us a few minutes, worship, just playing. Draw near to Him, my beloved. The invitation is open. of my mouth. Sing it, church. May the from your heart Worship you, Lord. 
Spirit work in us. Work deep in our hearts. So that the words of our mouth, the words of our mouth, and the meditations, the thoughts, the desires and attitudes would be pleasing to you. I want to be pleasing to you. I want to be pleasing to you. Like a fragrant offering. Let my life be pleasing to you. Father. Oh, Father. Just lift our hands and just bless the name of the Lord. Bless Him with your heart. Lift your voice and give Him praise. Give Him worship. Oh God. Come on, lift your voice. Just sing it out a sweet song to praise to Him. Oh, we bless your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, King of Kings. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. We love you, Lord. 
bless your name, Jesus. We adore you. We adore you. We adore you. Father, Lord, I bless your people, Father. And Father, I pray for them right now what I spoke to them. That your influence in and through their lives, from their lives to this generation will outlive their lives on earth. That their influence will go beyond them to the generations to come would be impacted and transformed, God, by the power of your Spirit through their lives. That the prayers that they are praying and the prayers that they will pray, the answers to that prayers would not only be in this time, in this life, but it will impact the generations to come, God. That their words and deeds that their offerings like Cornelius will be like a memorial before you. That as they have tithed and they have given offerings and served the poor and helped the ones in need and encouraged the discouraged and spoken life where there was death and brought hope where there was hopelessness, God, their influence would multiply, would grow, oh God. If you're saying that is you, lift your hands to God. If you're saying, God, that's me, lift your hands to God and surrender and say, God, I want to be an influencer. I'm willing to deny myself. I'm willing to pick up my cross. I'm willing to follow you. Don't be ashamed about it, my brothers and sisters. Just lift your hearts to Him and say, God, that's me. Yes, Lord, me. I want to follow you. I can't do it on my own strength, but I'm willing to follow you, Lord. Help me. Help me, Jesus, to be faithful to you, Lord. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and the choices I make in life would be pleasing to you. Would be pleasing to you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I bless your people. God, if this, where there's any need, I pray, Father, your abundance would flow right now. Your abundance would flow. Do miracles, oh God. Where there is, Lord, any kind of distress, I pray your peace come. Your peace, Lord. Father, if anyone is sick or a loved one is sick, Father, we declare healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is any lack, we pray for abundance to flow, God, because you're the God who does miracles. We believe, oh God, that you've come to give life and life in all its abundance, in all its fullness. And so we pray that that fullness will be manifested in every family represented over here. We remember the ones who are on holiday, God, the families who are on holiday. Bless them, protect them, refresh them, oh God, wherever they are enjoying themselves. Father, blessings we pray upon them. And we believe you, God, for the two people we prayed for this morning, God. The brother who's been suffering from cancer, we believe you, God, for healing. And for Valley and the baby, we believe you, God, for a blessing and a miracle, oh God. We thank you. Let's lift our hands and give God glory. We bless your name. We bless your name, oh God. Let's give the Lord a big hand, a shout of praise. We bless your name, Lord. 
We thank you, Father. To be all the glory and all the honor. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you, shake their hand or give them a hug and tell them you are an influencer. God bless you.